In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Men in the Arena Army, I salute you guys. Welcome to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I am Jim Ramos, host of Spotify's number one podcast for Christian men and your guide to help you live as your best version in that stress bubble of life and beyond. Guys, uh, great to have you on the show today. We're continuing in our series, Why You Can Trust the Bible. This is part three, which is the uniqueness of the Bible. Man, I'll tell you what, guys, a lot of reading here. I've got a lot of quotes I've got to read that I don't have memorized. But again, guys, my goal is to keep you out of the weeds and to help you to have some great tools to share your faith with others. When people ask you that question, hey, man, you say a lot about the Bible, but how do you know the Bible is true that you can unequivocally say, here's why I believe it, and that you have the ammunition to... Bring your friends to Jesus. First Peter three fifteen says and sixteen says, "Be prepared in season, out of season, to give a defense for the hope that lies within you." And that's what we're trying to do right now, guys. Giving you a defense for the hope that lies within you. So, there are several things about the Bible that make it unique from any other work ever written in the history of the world. And I'm going to list. And again, this podcast episode is not trying to prove that the Bible is in the inspired Word of God. We did that the last two episodes this week is to help you to understand and to articulate to those who don't believe in the Bible that even if they may not believe in the Bible, they'd be ludicrous to not dive headlong into the Bible and try to figure out why is this book vastly more unique than any other book ever written. There's nothing even compared to the Bible, and here's why. Here's what makes the Bible unique. First, Let's talk about the uniqueness of the scriptures themselves. M. Montero Williams, former Bowdoin professor of Sanskrit, over 42 years of research, he researched uh, Sanskrits in the ancient East, and he said this, pile them high on the left side of your study table. He's talking about all other documents ever written. Then place your own holy Bible alone on the right side, all by itself, alone with a wide gap between them for this is the gulf between it the bible and the so-called sacred books of the east which severs one from one another utterly hopelessly and forever a veritable gulf which cannot be bridged over by any science or religious thought now tell me that is not a powerful statement there is nothing like the bible ever written, and if you compile every work ever written on the, le- the left side of your table and you put the Bible alone, nothing can compare to Scripture. It is a unique work of literature in all of history. Number two, the uniqueness of continuity. 
Listen to this. This is really interesting. You know, the Bible, what we have today, the Old and the New Testament, the 69 books, 39 in the Old, 27 in the New, was written over a 1,500-year span by over 40, that's over 40 generations, by over 40 authors from every walk of life. Think about this. In the Bible, we have authors who were kings, peasants, philosophers, fishermen, poets, statesmen, scholars, a doctor, a rabbi. Sounds like I'm going to tell a joke right now, doesn't it? Tax collectors, a bartender, generals, shepherds, a rabbi. You may say, who's the bartender? Nehemiah, baby. Nehemiah. Okay. The Bible is written in many different places, in the wilderness, in a dungeon, in a palace, in a cave, in a prison, while traveling, on an island being excommunicated, during a military campaign. The Bible was written from three different continents. Remember, back when the Bible was written, we didn't have America. We didn't know that, you know, Canada was there. We didn't know, you know, we didn't know that whole hemisphere existed. All we had was Asia, Africa, and Europe. And that's where these these letters compiled around this area. It was written in three different languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Man, isn't that impressive? The uniqueness of all of that, all of those differences, all of that diversity in one book. It's unbelievable. Number three, the uniqueness of circulation. I'm staring at a list right now of like 15 different publishing companies and the numbers of volumes, the volumes and volumes of Bibles that they produced. But let me just go to Google for the answer. Guinness Book of World Records says this. This is the Guinness Book of World Records. This isn't some pastor. This isn't a spiritual leader. Guinness Book of World Records says this. It is impossible to know exactly how many copies have been printed in roughly 15 years since its contents were standardized. But research conducted by the British and Foreign Bible Society in 2021, this is recent, suggests that a total number of printed Bibles probably lies between 5 and 7 billion copies. My good friend Larry Lodolo, who's a Gideon, I asked Larry, I said, Larry, how many Bibles have the Gideons alone passed out? The Gideons alone have passed out 2.5 billion Bibles. So based on what my friend Larry Lodolo is telling me, I guarantee you that we have seen way more than 7 billion Bibles handed out. But we just don't know. But all the Guinness Book of Records knows is this. The Bible is number one, baby, by a long shot. Josh McDowell writes this, The Bible has been read by more people and published in more languages than any other book. There have been more copies produced of its entirety and more portions and selections than any other book in history. Overall, there is absolutely no book that reaches or even begins to compare to the circulation of scriptures. That's amazing. So when people badmouth the Bible, people can talk smack about it. They can say whatever they want. But the bottom line is this. There is no other book besides the Bible. And I'm going to say this right now. If you're in academia, if you're a high school teacher, if you're a middle school teacher, if you're a college professor, and if you claim to be a person who believes in education and you have not read the Bible, then you're an ignorant fool. You should remove yourself from education. How can you, especially if you're an English teacher or a history teacher, how can you claim to love education and not dive into the greatest book of all times? Oh, you'll read Lord of the Rings, or you'll read War and Peace, or you'll you'll read Homer's Iliad and Odyssey, but you won't read the Bible. If that is you, then you are being prejudiced and biased, 
and you're not leaning towards education, you're leaning towards your subjective view of things, how dare you? How dare you? If you believe in education and you're an educator, you need to read the Bible. I don't care what you believe. Any educated person will do that. It's the greatest work in literary history. Every English teacher should teach it. This is the greatest literary work ever produced, bar none. I don't care what you believe, bar none. Okay, there, enough of that rant. I'm just tired of academia, bad-mouthing Bible, and if they really were educated people, they would move beyond their ignorance and realize how important the Bible is in the history of the world and in the context of literature. It's the greatest, most diverse piece of literature in world history. How dare academia badmouth it? I just don't understand. You can't do that unless you have an agenda. So here we go. Number four, the uniqueness of translation. The Bible has been translated and retranslated and paraphrased more than any other book in existence. You already know this. Listen to this. This is unbelievable. This is Wikipedia talking. In the United Bible Societies reported that the Bible in whole or in part has been translated in more than 3,324 languages, including an increasing number of sign languages, including complete and Old Testaments in 2,189 languages. That's the complete Bible. And in the complete text of the Bible, in 804 languages. According to Wycliffe Bible Translators in October of 2017, 3,312 languages had access to at least one book in the Bible, including 1,121 languages with a book or more and 1,521 language groups with access to the New Testament in their native language and 670 full Bible, they have the full Bible translation. It is estimated Translation may be required in 1,636 languages where no work is currently known to have progress. Can you believe there are that many languages in the world, first of all? Holy cow. It's amazing what the Bible, where the Bible has been, and we still have 1,636 languages that do not have the Bible as of yet. They also estimate that there are currently around 2,584 languages which have active Bible translation projects with or without some portion already published. Wow. Wow. The uniqueness, no other book in literature history has been translated even close to the amount of times that the Bible has. That is the bottom line. Uniqueness of survival. Now, this goes back to the attacks that we see on the Word of God by academia and some of these other groups. Josh McDowell wrote this, being written on material that perishes, papyrus, having to be copied and recopied hundreds of years before the invention of the printing press, did not diminish the style, correctness, nor existence. The Bible, compared with other ancient writings, has more manuscript evidence than any ten pieces of classical literature combined. So I want to know, college professors who teach English, why isn't the Bible on your syllabus? Why? The great apologist Bernard Ram said this about the Bible. A thousand times over, the death knell of the Bible has been sounded, the funeral procession formed, the inscription cut in the tombstone, and the committal read. But somehow, the corpse never stays put. No other book has been so chopped, knifed, 
sifted, scrutinized, and vilified. What other book has been subject to a mass attack than the Bible? With such venom and skepticism, with such thoroughness and erudition upon every chapter, line, and tenet, the Bible is still loved by millions, read by millions, and studied by millions. I'm going to tell you what, the Bible's not going away. And we can sit back and be quiet when we see academia, we see politics, we see the media badmouth the Bible. But man, if we know the Bible and we believe the Bible is true, we need to stand up, we need to rise up against these people who ignorantly claim that the Bible is not unique in all of the works in history. So the uniqueness of teachings. Now listen to this. We live in this world where we have diversity bumper stickers, tolerance bumper stickers. So we talk about being diverse. We talk about uh, you know, in this world, we want to use that phrase all the time. But you talk about diversity. Look at the Bible. The Bible, and here's the deal with the Bible that I love. The Bible is not some, like, a social media thing where you're trying to put your best face forward. You're trying to put your best image out there, right? The Bible doesn't read like that. Lewis Schaefer said, The Bible deals very frankly with the sins of its main characters. Read the biographies today and see how we try to cover up, overlook, and ignore the shady sides of people. Take the great literary geniuses. Most are painted as saints. The Bible does not do that in any way. It simply tells it like it is. And I'll tell you what, that's why I love the Bible. The Bible just says, hey, this is the way it is. Wilbur Smith, a novelist, wrote this. Whatever one may think of the authority and of the message presented in the book we call the Bible, there is worldwide agreement that in more ways than one, it is the most remarkable volume that has ever been produced in the 5,000 years of writing on the part of the human race. Mohammedism cannot point to any prophecies of the coming Muhammad uttered hundreds of years before his birth. Neither can the founders of any cult in this country rightly identify any ancient text for telling their appearances. Isn't that true? So when we look at prophecy, no other group has a document that portrays the coming of their messianic character the way the Bible does. Number seven, the uniqueness of its influence on surrounding literature. Kenneth Scott LaTourette, former Yale historian, said this, It is evidence of his, Jesus, importance of the effect that he has had upon history and presumably of the baffling mystery of his being that no other life ever lived on this planet has evoked such huge a volume of literature among so many people and languages, and that, far from ebbing, the flood continues to mount. Philip Schaff wrote in his book, The Person of Christ, This Jesus of Nazareth, without money or arms, conquered more millions than Alexander Caesar, Mohammed, and Napoleon. Without science or learning, he shed more light on things, human and divine, than all philosophers and scholars combined without eloquence of schools. He spoke without eloquence of schools. He spoke such words of life as were never spoken before nor since and produced effects which lie beyond the reach of orator or poet. Without writing a single line, think about that, without writing a single line, he set more pins in motion and volumes and works of art and songs of praise than the whole army of great men of ancient modern times combined. Wow. Cleland McAfee in his book, The Greatest English Classics, if every Bible in any considerable city were destroyed, the book could be restored in all its essential parts 
simply from the quotations on the shelves of the other books in the city library. Conclusion. I'm going to conclude with a quote by Josh McDowell in his book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Any intelligent person who is seeking truth would certainly read and consider a book that has the historical qualifications of the Bible. The above unique qualifications that separate scriptures from any book that has ever been written, the Bible should be on the top shelf all by itself. And I would add, if you are in academia, if you love education, if you love the pursuit of knowledge, and the Bible is not at the top shelf of your library, prominently prominently displayed, I want to ask you, why? Man, I hope that helps you build your arsenal to defend the Word of God. Man, if that doesn't convince you, you might want to put your finger on your pulse and see if you guys need to get a shovel. Uh, hey guys, make sure you head on over to menandarena.org, grab a free copy of my book, tell them what great fathers, tell their sons and daughters. We're pulling this book down real, real quick. We're going to replace it with my latest work called Man Laws, 100 Ways to Have Your Man Card Revoked and Rules to Live By. So make sure you get tell them before we pull it down, guys. While you're there, make sure, make sure, make sure you sign up to join our program, get involved with one of our many virtual teams. Guys, this is a game changer for you. You will thank me later you will look back on your time in these small groups as times that were catalytic to you becoming your best version. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And be a man. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.